0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm Jody Miller Young, your host. Seven point three million. That's the approximate number of homeless dogs and cats in American shelters at any given time. Of that, approximately 250,000 are in Puerto Rico alone. My next guest has dedicated herself to combating animal abuse and homelessness in the U.S. with a focus on Puerto Rican strays that pass through their shelter system. She's doing all this through educating and entertaining our children. So we're going to take a short break from our sponsor, But when we return, you'll meet author Marla Stahl, hear her real-life stories about the dogs in her books, and learn how she's helping to educate our children and give back to animals. So grab that favorite beverage, get comfortable, and we'll be right back. Has your pet ever suffered from digestive issues, anxiety, or joint pain? We want to address these issues and more with high-grade CBD oil from Alpha, made specifically for your furry friends using Alaskan salmon oil as a carrier, Alpha Pet's 500 CBD oil is lab tested for quality, consistency, and safety. Plus, we are giving Pet Life Radio listeners 25% off and free shipping with code PL25 for a limited time. So visit myalphacbd.com/dogs now. That's myalphacbd.com/dogs. Because your furry friends are family.
1: Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico chops Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico chops Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Oh. Let's talk pets
0: on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm Jody Miller Young. For those who are just joining, Marla Stahl is a children's book author with a mission to combat animal abuse and homelessness and educate our kids about the animals she loves. Her beloved chihuahua, Sugar, started it all and got a book named after her to boot. (laughs) Can Sugar come out and play, to play? Lucy, Mason, and even Grandma Charlotte followed, all including teachable moments for youngsters. So let's meet Marla and discover more. Hey, Marla. Hi, Jody, Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Let's dive right in. What inspired you to start Woof Books, this publishing company behind your children's books? Like, was it a specific incident, an aha moment?
1: It was a specific incident. I had adopted my dog, Sugar, and I had her for a couple of weeks. And we were out in the yard, and she was running around, and I wanted to keep an eye on her. She's fairly Mm -hmm. new and likes to eat things. Mm -hmm. And so a neighbor had come over to chat over the fence and she kind of disappeared and I said, hold on a second. And all of a sudden I heard birds squawking and I knew she was going after the birds. So I took her in the house and she had actually gotten a bird, didn't harm, you know, didn't harm it too badly, but she did actually get a hold of a bird. And I I picked her up gently and put her in the house. And of course, she was um, a rescue dog. So I believe not treated very well from some of the responses she had to things. And so I had to be very gentle, of course, and... Mm -hmm. The way you would maybe talk to a three-year-old, you know, you give them a loving but stern lecture, right?
0: So mm-hmm. I told her,
1: you know, we as if she's listening and paying attention, you know, I'm saying, well, you know, you have to share our yard with everyone. It's your yard. It's your new yard. It's your new home. It will always be yours, but you have to share with everybody, all the animals, even the birds, you know, I'm talking to her and she's looking at me like, sure, mommy. <laughs> and so I was telling a friend about it because every day um, for about six days or so, I would open the patio door curtains to get ready to let her out in the morning. And there would be a different kind of creature looking in the window at us or sitting on the ledge of the stairs. It was just very strange. One day there was a squirrel literally pawing at the window trying to look in and come in. We had cicadas and bunnies and frogs and all kinds of things. And so I was telling a friend about it. And I said, you know, it's really strange. I think they're trying to thank me for keeping her in the house. And we laughed. And I said, well, maybe that or they want her to come out and play. And so I thought, oh, that would make a great children's book. And that's how it all began.
0: Oh, wow. I'm smiling because I think there are a lot of us that are part of this tribe of talking to our dogs like they're toddlers. Believe of course. me. <laughs> of course. And quite honestly, I think that if we use the same words and keep it short over and over again, they eventually learn to understand exactly what it is that we're telling them. They do. But this is this is all the book, the book can sugar come out to play is all about this very story that you're telling. And it's really, really charming. Thank you. Um, yeah. So what are the age ranges of the children that you write for?
1: You know, I just kind of write from the heart, and I don't really target a specific age range except for the one book, Can Sugar, Go to the, uh, Sugar Goes to the Dentist, because I really wanted little ones who maybe haven't had their first dentist appointment yet not to be scared. So that was the only one really targeted for really little kids. But the others, I just kind of write from the heart and then kind of see from there where it goes. And amazingly, even Sugar Goes to the Dentist, which is kind of the lowest level reader, I have 12-year-olds love it, and that's the book they want. So it's just, it all depends on what appeals to them in the story and all the stories have some good values about friendship and caring and a little bit about being kind to animals and things like that. So I would say they're good anywhere from reading to your newborn to maybe 12 years old or so.
0: Yeah. And I think every age group gets something different from it. So you know, that's uh, that's always something to consider, too. You know, maybe the 12-year-olds will will get a bigger picture and maybe a little bit of a deeper understanding. Yeah. But it's a great introduction for the younger ones. Do you have a background in writing? Like, what what
1: is your background? Well, um, when I was really young, maybe fourth and fifth grade, we had a wonderful teacher, Stella Rizzo was her name, and she had our class write poems and stories every week and sent a newsletter home to our family. And I finished all my reading assignments early, so I was just riding up a storm, and I got the nicest letter from the mother of one of my classmates at the end of the year saying, I love your stories, you write so many of them, and one day you're going to be a famous author, well, I'm not famous, but... <laughs> Um, I loved writing and I loved reading. I would go to the library and bring home, the limit was 10 books and I would carry my 10 books, dropping them all the way home. So then uh, as an adult, part of my career, I spent also doing some professional writing and editing. And then when I retired, I missed that. So I did a little blog for a while just to be able to still write and create a little bit. And then this opportunity came up with the children's books and I kept getting new ideas and wanting to write new stories about different dogs or different people. And that's kind of how it happened.
0: And it's lovely because there are many writers who write about shelter pets, rescued pets, the shelter system, but there aren't a lot of writers who write about adopting and rescue for little kids. And so it's really it's really nice because we know that we're shaping the next generation and there's so much cruelty to animals in the world yes. that it's that generation, the next one, that needs to understand how to be with animals and how they are sentient beings just like us. Yeah, they feel just like us. So they yeah, sure. it's it's so important what you're doing.
1: Yeah. Sometimes I go to schools and I and I read the stories to the kids, and we just um, unless the teachers have a specific curriculum or a specific thing they want me to talk about, we just kind of free flow the conversation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes kids will say things, and I'll be like, "Whoa, well, here's another way you might handle that." You know, yeah. trying to Teach them that there's a kinder way to deal with your pet, and maybe they can take that home and say, "Oh, at school we learned this today." You know, share that with their family. Just trying going to plant a seed in there for a little extra kindness
0: right because we know that you know these perceptions come from the parents generally Mm -hmm. come from the parents so yes i mean sometimes the kids can teach the parents too so lucy the amazing
1: wonder dog Yes,
0: your poodle, right? Your poodle mix, Lucy.
1: Yes. Tell Um, us
0: about this story.
1: Well, she, everything in the story is true. She was a character and she played all kinds of silly games and she was just a a fun loving dog. And I always wanted to do something for her and decided after I wrote my sugar book that I was going to write a book for Lucy. So a lot of the stuff in there is really true. It's things that she did, but a lot of it of course is manufactured. So for example, you know, she types on the computer and she plays the piano <laughs> and she has her own TV shows. So if you're, um, if you watch HGTV, you'll appreciate there's house hunters. Well, she has a show called mouse hunters. <laughs> and if you like the food channel, the food network, she has the dog food network. And oh, instead of it diners, popular, I imagine. Yes, yeah, of course. And instead of diners, drive-ins and dives, it's cookies, chewy bones and fries. Okay. So <laughs> a little bit of humor for the parents reading as well. But um, it's really, um, I think, kind of teaching kids how to use your imagination, you know, because we have all these things like, you know, she's protecting the family from danger and she's, you know, looking out the window at the mailman or she climbs the highest mountains and she's on a pile of blankets on the couch, you know. So why is that yeah. funny? You know, So kind of giving them some critical thinking skills. So that's just more kind of a fun little romp in that.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I particularly enjoyed Grandma Charlotte and her friend Shirley. And there is a ton of teachable moments in there too. Tell everybody about this friendship and how two very different people could be such good friends
1: and about the kinds of adventures that Grandma Charlotte experienced. Okay, great. Now, this is one that probably is mostly for older kids because there's an educational piece in the back as well. Yeah, But um, Grandma Shirley is my mom. Grandma oh. Charlotte, was of, mm-hmm. and okay. Grandma Charlotte was one of her dearest friends, and they met actually in an exercise class in New Jersey. Uh-huh. And I'm not going to give too much away about the book because there's a funny way with how they met each other to go have coffee together. So I'm not going to give that away. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> but um, I will not tell either. Okay, but they became very good friends, even though they were very, very different. And I think that's an important lesson for kids as well. So for my mom, Grandma Shirley, her wild adventures would be, you know, watching the Weather Channel. She was addicted to the Weather Channel. (laughs) And when she was in her 70s, she took Italian lessons, you know, and things like that. So hers were very intellectual and adventures. Charlotte also was very intellectual. She did a lot in her community when she lived in New Jersey, and she gave presentations at Princeton University. But she was a teacher for many years. Years and she was a master gardener and she did some things, for, uh, you know, talking about that at Princeton. But she really felt like her life didn't have the kind of meaning that it had when she was a teacher and her kids were grown and everything. So she decided to start volunteering all around the world, different organizations. The first one, I think, is called Global Volunteer. She did a lot of work there. And she did this, you know, almost into her into her 80s, like probably into her mid-80s. And when she was 76 years old, she went hot air ballooning over the Serengeti, you know. yes <laughs> uh, bless her. Yes, you know, she would come back with pictures of herself. She was maybe 90 pounds soaking wet, tiny little lady, pictures of her sitting on a gigantic Galapagos sea turtle, you know, on the Galapagos mm-hmm. Islands, and mm-hmm. and then she would go to Princeton and do these talks and everything. Yet she just remained so humble, but she just loved these adventures and ultimately she moved to maybe closer to her daughter and she and my mom would still talk for like an hour on the telephone and then I would come home from work and my mom would call me and regale me with these stories for another hour, you know. <laughs> so I knew all the stories that She was just an amazing person. She literally went all over the world. I mean, everywhere. I remember her going to Zimbabwe and collecting old clothes and jackets and shoes that my kids had to give to kids there. You know, she went to Vietnam and India. She went to Romania to rock babies for seven hours a day. Oh my God. It's incredible. Just just this wonderful, fun little lady and humble as can be. Just humble Mm -hmm. as can be. So what kind of
0: lessons do you pull out of that for the kids? You know, questions to get their, you know, to get them thinking. Well,
1: in the back of the book, I do have a section that has them, I ask questions like, where would you find Romania on a map? Or uh, what kind of animals would you find in the Serengeti? So there's a little bit of that. But the Mm -hmm. the one that I really think is most important is what can you do that's meaningful in the world? And who can help you achieve that? Because I'm thinking these kids 9, 10, 11, 12 years old might be starting to think a little bit about how they can do something that makes a difference in the world. So I really like that question in particular to get them thinking about that after they read about these two grandmas who are very different. And I also like the diversity in it, the fact that, they are so different in what they consider adventure. For example, Charlotte would lay on the floor in the jungle in Costa Rica studying lemurs and she'd look up and see these gigantic spiders dangling above her, you know. And, <laughs> and my mother. She, your mother out? <laughs> and she would, yes, yeah, she would hear these stories and she, that is number 972, reason why I'm not going on these trips with you, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. So, so there's just the diversity of their friendship and also as a, I was a Navy kid, so I moved a lot and. Luckily, I'm back in touch with my friends, at least from high school and middle school on. And I think it's important to know when you're, when you're young, maybe you move or a friend moves away, that you don't have to lose that friendship, especially nowadays. You've got telephones, you've got texting, you've got internet, Facebook. you know. It's really um, important to know that yeah. you don't have to lose that friend. You can keep them forever, even if they're really different than you are.
0: Yeah, and it's never too late to do the things that you really want to do. You never. know, if Grandma Charlotte could do it, you can. We all can. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. I want to jump over now to Puerto Rico. Yes. And Mason, the Abasa dog. First of all, Mason is absolutely gorgeous.
1: And Isn't
0: he a oh, Annabelle, my chihuahua, agrees. She just chimed in behind me. <laughs> um, you have a chihuahua too. That's great. I have two chihuahuas, a father and a daughter, and then two other dogs as well. Nice. Uh, one of them, a black dog. Yes. Ah. Yes.
1: Yes, Just like sugar.
0: Know, yes, exactly, which we know are harder to uh, adopt out. So,
1: Which I don't well, know why, true. because she is my third black dog, and they are the best dogs I've ever had. And I've loved yes. all my dogs, but they are the best.
0: Awesome dogs.
1: And, uh, yeah, I don't understand it either, but there you go. Why, first of all, why
0: Puerto Rico? How did you get introduced to the Saitos, the Saito dogs, the the homeless dogs in Puerto Rico, the straight well,
1: I had a friend that I, I worked with here back stateside and her family was from Puerto Rico and she moved back there after she retired and wanted me to come visit her. So I went to visit and we were going all over the place and I kept noticing all these dogs laying around. They didn't have water. They had flies on them. Some of them I wasn't even sure were still breathing and I was very upset. Oh, yeah, it is. We yeah. went to this, she said there's a lot of strays here. So we went to this town called Ponce and this little girl came up to us and you could tell she had just had puppies and there was a man sitting there and he said well she's kind of the town dog she comes all the time she belongs to a homeless man and if he goes to a shelter and extra, has extra food he will share with her but if he doesn't she comes to town looking for food and people will throw things at her and kick at her and i just was so upset and so there was a, a, a chicken vendor Next to us. And so we got some chicken and gave it to her and tried to give her some water. And she was afraid to come that close. So she actually started drinking water in a puddle on the street. And I was just, my heart just broke didn't know where her puppies were. I just, oh, I was just, I was just a mess. And so we went to dinner and we got some pizza or something. The tears were in my cheese on my pizza. You know? oh my <laughs> just I do. And when I, when I came back, I just said, I have to do something. I said, I love Puerto Rico, the people, the food, they make you feel like your family. It's fantastic. But the stray animal thing is just killing me. So I went online to see what I could do. And while I was exploring, I found this rescue called Second Chance Animal Rescue in Villalba, which is near Ponce. It's up in the mountains. And I contacted them and I said, I'd, I'd like to start sponsoring you. So I started sending them money and everything and then decided to tell them about my book. The first book I had was, you know, the sugar going out to play book. And said, you know, I'd like to start sending you money from part of my proceeds for that. So I started to support them that way Mm -hmm. and got to know, I've never actually met her in person, but got to know um, online Bonnie, who's... Mm -hmm. um, Lonnie Lucas, who is the owner and founder of this wonderful place. She's been there almost 20 years. And she said one day, she says, why don't you um, write a book about my dog, Mason? And so, well, tell me about him. Well, he, he's in a doggy wheelchair. He's just a doggy wheelchair. And she was thinking like Perry Mason or something like that. But I think you have to be a certain age to know who Perry Mason was. That show. I remember Perry Mason, Perry's right? Yeah. <laughs> Right? But I think younger like kids aren't gonna know that who that is. is. So yeah. I said, well, tell me more about him And she said, well, he's kind of like an ambassador You know, the new dogs come in and he goes over and he sniffs them and shows them around and I said, oh an ambassador, but he's a dog. You mean an ambassador dog? She said, yeah, so <laughs> That's how he got the name, but I really didn't know enough about him. Well, a couple of years later I, I went to back to Puerto Rico to visit the same friend and Decided I would go up and visit Mason and brought a camera and one of her cousins and we went up there. Unfortunately Bonnie wasn't there, but this wonderful person, her one of her most treasured volunteers, Janine, was there and met us and took us up this mountain and took us and showed every single dog in the entire sanctuary. We saw everything and she was just wonderful. And oh, wow. um, so we were there several hours and I was apologizing to them thinking I was keeping them too long. They didn't want to leave. They were loving it so much. And we took lots of pictures, all the puppies, all the older dogs, there are some tripods, dogs that have had amputations and things. Bonnie can't even go to the grocery store without finding another dog there are dogs everywhere and she'll ship a a shipment of dogs to San Juan to come back here stateside to a couple of affiliate rescues and on the way back, she'll find another dog or another dog will find her or people will just put them on her doorstep knowing she's going to take care of them. In fact, just yesterday, she rescued another dog. She was out driving around and, and she saw this dog and ended up um, bringing a little cage back with some food. And the dog went in the cage and took it back and, you know, the, the fur was matted and everything and she's getting them all, you know cleaned up and they check them out with the vet and get all the shots, get them all healthy surgeries if they need them, whatever, and then try to get them adopted out. So she's just an angel, just an absolute angel. She and her volunteers and her staff, just these beautiful, wonderful people with very big hearts. Bonnie has probably always about 120 to 150 dogs in her care. And the most um, poignant time was during the hurricane last year. She was there by herself on the mountain with 150 animals. Nobody could reach her because the mountain roads were impassable. And she was up there. Her volunteers had gone home. Her staff had gone home. And luckily she had a generator and she had a rain garden And she had, knowing that the hurricane was coming, she had gone out and bought a whole bunch of food and water, thinking it would be just a week or so, right? Mm. Then, of course, we all know what happened. Yeah. And So we were so concerned about her. We actually chartered a helicopter and went to check on her and airdropped some food and water and things to her until people can get to help her. But just an angel. I mean, she just keeps going. And unfortunately, part of her, one of the yards that she lets the dogs run, run around in, the fence was damaged. And so she couldn't let them out there. And so she spent most of her days just rotating, you know, 10, 15, 20 dogs at a time in the one yard that she had that was open. Oh my um, god. And how she did it and wasn't totally exhausted is just beyond me. She is just a total angel and it seems like a couple times a week we see a post from her. Well, found another one, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, just amazing. There's anywhere between 100 and 300,000 stray dogs on the island of Puerto Rico. And it got worse, of course, after Hurricane Maria, people couldn't stay and and couldn't take their dogs. And so she's just this angel. And and I know there are others as well, but Bonnie in particular has my heart. She and her volunteers, she and Janine and and all of her staff. In fact, they and Mason were featured on the Animal Planet on December 2nd, 2018. Oh, really? Uh, Yes. There's a, a lady who also does great work in Washington State. Her name is Amanda Geist. And she has, or she had a show called Amanda to the Rescue. It lasted for one season this past fall and winter. And her mission is to take dogs that are kind of unadoptable because maybe they don't have an eye or they had a leg amputated or some sort of medical issue. And she really she rehabilitates them and finds homes for them. And so she heard about Bonnie and and the work that's being done down there, and went down there and filmed one of the episodes with Bonnie. They were out. Um, you know finding other dogs to take back and she got to meet Mason Mason's on there so Mason's a superstar yeah and um so um that was a really really great thing for them as well That's
0: lovely that is lovely you know these people are saints they really are, they are. and thank god a lot of rescue organizations came in after maria specifically to help these animals that were abandoned or, you know, stranded or the rescues down there like Bonnie's. There's also, you know, you hear about Dead Dog Beach. Yes. Yeah. And there's more and more attention over the past several years being brought to Puerto Rico, thank God. Uh, photographers like Sophie Gamond who who did a a whole series on Dead Dog Beach and the Dogs. Mm-hmm. So it's such a an incredible cause and it's so wonderful that you are contributing. How much I mean you're you're in contact with the rescue and with Bonnie directly, but I know that you contribute, you donate to a number of different rescues or shelters. How are you able to see what a difference your
1: donations are making? Basically by keeping in touch. I know with Bonnie in particular, I donate in general, I donate 10% of my book proceeds um, to different rescues. And But for Mason's books, which also comes in Spanish, by the way, mm-hmm. my, my friend that I visited Great. translated into Spanish, they are the sole recipients of obviously, you know, uh, of the uh, proceeds from that um, mm-hmm. It's about them, it's their story. And so I am um, in touch on Facebook, I see them a lot, um, people that I've gotten to know and be friends with through just through social media. And so I get to talk to them, I get to see the pictures of the dogs as they get adopted. In fact, for for Bonnie's, um, two of the dogs in the Mason book have been adopted out and I asked for their address, so I can send them a book and say, hey, you're superstars on page 17. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, awesome. and then the families have sent me pictures, Oh, here's Nichols at the dog park. Nichols is a yeah. dog that adopted me I, when I went there and I almost took him home if Sugar didn't have to be an only dog.
0: <laughs> he is adorable. I He's mean, so I saw them and everybody listening. I mean, the books are wonderful. If you have young children, definitely great, great addition to their library. But for us too, especially with Mason, the dog, um, there are some wonderful dogs in there, photographs of dogs that, uh, that you met when you visited the the rescue. So definitely pick it up. One of the things that helps bring writers visions to life is an illustrator. And you've
1: worked with a couple of great illustrators. Tell us about them. Sure. Well, two of my books are photographs. Um, Those I took myself, but I am not an artist. I will tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) So, the first book that was illustrated was Lucy, the Amazing Wonder Dog. And it was a young lady from my church who was at the time a sophomore in college, Katie Heaty. She just graduated and she's um, doing a lot with animation and all kinds of things with her art degree. But she was the first one to do the Lucy book. Mm -hmm. And then her brother, who is also multi talented, Chris, did the can sugar goes to the dentist to can sugar go to the dentist sugar goes to the dentist i'm sure i'm yes, confusing my yes, own words yes. here <laughs> um and uh and he was at uh, one time the conductor at Hogwarts down at uh, in Florida, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the voice of the Hershey Reese's Peanut Butter Cup at Hershey World and, in Pennsylvania and just oh this creative goodness. soul. He does puppetry and all kinds of things. And, and he's a wonderful artist. And he actually came over to meet Sugar and see our environment and picked up on all kinds of little, little things. Like I was wearing blue fingernail polish that day and you'll see a picture of mama's hands and you see with blue fingernail polish and the <laughs> ring I was wearing, you know, yeah. said you. Wanted to be wearing clothes or not, and and the the greatest thing, two great things, that she's sitting on the floor at the beginning playing with her toys, and the toys, if you look at them, they are the characters from the Can Sugar Go Out the Playbook. <laughs> oh wow! <Okay. laughs> and. And then about three months after the book came out, I noticed that for the Sugar to the Dentist book, it's really supposed to be my dental hygienist and my real dental hygienist. And she's wearing tooth earrings. I didn't notice it at first. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's great. So I actually went on Etsy and bought her a pair of tooth earrings so she could wear them. (laughs) That's
0: great. uh, one of the pages...
1: One of the pages in that book was, you know, when you go, they always give you a little bag with a toothbrush and yes. toothbrush and all that. Well, of course, Sugar had to have her little bag. And so I said, well, you know there's always a superhero on the handle of you know, children's toothbrushes, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I contacted Katie. I said, could you do this one page in this book that Chris is doing for me so you could put Lucy the Amazing Wonder Dog as a superhero on the handle oh, of the toothbrush? Oh. And so very she cute. contributed that page. <laughs> very cute. Very, very cute. And then on um, for the Grandma Charlotte book, uh, there's a wonderful artist named Hilly Weiss. And I found her online on a professional organization that we belong to. And I looked through all the pictures from all the different artists and hers just really spoke to me because of the colors, bright colors, the, the cute little faces that she draws and everything. And so um, luckily she was available and she was able to bring that story to life. So it's really she White.
0: so did. I think she was perfect for this book, for this story because she was. it's very, it's whimsical, but happy too. It's yes. like, it just makes you smile. So I am going to take a total left turn now. Okay. No pun intended. But how did you come to be a tour guide at a major league baseball stadium? <laughs> and you've already told me you're not telling us who it is. So no, I can but how did this happen?
1: I, um, at a certain point in my career, my regular professional career, I kind of wanted to leave, you know, how sometimes you get stale at your job and, I was looking around at anything that brought me joy because it was a very serious job, and anything that brought me joy, I was like, "Oh, I can do this! I can do this!" Like the the duck tours, you know, and with people wearing the crazy hats and driving the amphibious things around. I don't know if you've heard of those tours, yes, or, yes. You know, Oh, I could be a duck tour driver, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I had taken my kids on a, a tour of a major league baseball stadium that had opened, and the tour guide was really good. And I was like, "Oh, this would be a fun thing to do." So I had this retirement bucket list. I had a list of things that I wanted to do. And then as I got closer to retirement, I said, well, which one is realistic? You know, well, you probably need to be able to swim to drive one of these duck tour things. And I can't swim. So that's probably off the (laughs) charts. But the baseball thing just kind of stuck with me because I do love baseball and I like seeing different baseball stadiums. And so... I retired and I waited about two weeks because I didn't know if I wanted to commute or whatever. And finally I said, oh, what the heck, I'll try it and put in an application and got the job. And it's just fun. I meet people from all over the place and it's just a lot of fun. I feel like I work at Disney World, you know, make people happy all day. What's wrong with that, right?
0: (laughs) No, no, absolutely. So what is involved in giving being a tour guide? You, team?
1: You need to learn a lot. Um, it depends on basically which ballpark you work at. I'm thinking they're all a little bit different. Um, some have a lot of information and a lot of history and others don't. Some you're basically showing people around and others you have to learn a whole lot about the history of the area and contributors to the culture and all of that. So you have to study a lot and kind of um, shadow other guides that are more experienced and And all of that. So it's a, it's a process. It's a process. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. The other thing that I I read you
0: do is you, you took up playing the drums uh, later in life. What inspired you to do that?
1: Well, I was fifty years old and my philosophy was fifty is fabulous. You know, people don't like to admit their age. It's like, oh, fifty is fabulous. And about halfway through that fiftieth year, I broke my ankle oh, right before Christmas. Yeah. And I was already I'd been in a music group at my church for a long time. And I was a singer and kind of the tambourine lady. So people knew I could keep the beat and our regular drummers and uh, bass players didn't show up for a couple of rehearsals. And so there was no percussion. And somebody said, hey, Marla, you have rhythm. You should learn how to play the drums. Well, it was my right foot that I broke. And so one of the exercises that we had to do to just get that range of motion back was to point and flex your foot. And um, I was finally able to drive. I could put enough pressure on to drive home. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, boy, this would be great exercise, pointing and flexion. You got to hit that bass drum really hard. Hmm. And I thought about it, maybe maybe he has something there. So I called the local uh, music shop where my son had taken drum lessons. And I said, do you um, have an an age limit on who you can train? (laughs) And I think they thought I meant little ones. They said, well, as long as the little ones speak and hit the the floor and hit the drum pedal. <laughs> and I laughed I said okay thank you sign me up so I, I got signed up and, and I went there the first night and and I said I'm here for my lesson and they had a substitute teacher there uh, the first night because my my teacher was doing a gig somewhere and young young guy and he's looking around me for a little kid you know a little boy yeah. in particular like no that's me and he could not even speak he was just so floored that this gray-haired lady was here <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> trying to learn the drums it was pretty funny oh so, so you're,
0: you're loving it
1: I, it? I did. I, I finally stepped out of the music ministry about a year and a half ago. I'd been in it for over 30 years and been drumming for about 11 and stepped out for a while and then realized I kind of missed doing music. So just about a month or two ago, I started taking steel drum lessons and I'm ah. having a fall. I'm having so much fun.
0: Oh, wow. So now you're going to have to go to a destination known for steel drums and maybe sit in. Maybe. <laughs> I <don't know>. Maybe look <laughs> you never know.
1: We actually have a lot of local high school steel drum bands and I go to hear them as often as I can. They're wonderful. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Um, So we have to unfortunately wrap up, but where can people find your books, Marla?
1: They are currently on Amazon They're not called Woof Books. They're under my name, Marla Stahl, S T A H L. Or you could look at my website. It's www.woofbooks.com. That's woof like a dog says woof, W O O F, woofbooks.com. And there are links there that you can click and it'll take you right to the website on Amazon and you can order that way. Um, And what about social? I am on social media. I do have a website called Wolf Books, and it's, it started out to be a business page, but I ended up also posting a lot of really cute animal things. So <laughs> if you like animals, it's very family friendly. Every now and then you'll see something about my books, but a lot of fun you know, videos or memes or whatever about dogs, cats, giraffes, squirrels, whatever. It's just very animal friendly and family friendly. It's awesome. also called Wolf Books.
0: Well, wishing you continued success and thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed it very much.
0: Oh, I'm really glad. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to our producer, Mark Winter. Mark, you always make us sound so good. We love you for that. My passion is living stylishly and animal rescue. So tune in next time to discover the designers, home decor, styles, and rescue stories I love. And don't forget to visit me at BarkAndSwagger.com where you'll find great fashion, shelter stories, and more. So until next time, when fierce fashion calls, Bark and Swagger.